So it's officially week 12 of the NFL season. Hard to believe we've got like six or seven more weeks of Bears football. This season's flown by. Fun fact, every single time the calendar turns to October, the Bears seemingly struggle. I mean, 2019, it was a four-game losing streak. 2020 was the beginning of a six-game losing streak. Now we're sitting in 2021. The Bears are in the middle of a five-game losing streak. They've got about... Two games within a five-day span. First, a loss to the Ravens on Thursday morning at 11.30 a.m. Central Time. The Bears are going to be in Detroit for an annual Thanksgiving showdown. It seems like no one's going to be awake at that time, so the NFL just decides, well, let's just throw the lines on at that time. And then another boring team that nobody really even gives a damn about outside of Chicago, which is why you had people at Matt Nagy's son's high school game booing Matt Nagy. I feel bad for the guy, but we're not going to get into that. But what's up, guys? Welcome into the Fireside Bears podcast. This thing's going up on YouTube, too, because our guy Max couldn't do YouTube with me. So this show is going to be a bit different. We're going to go over a couple storylines, talk about needs that the Bears are going to have to address outside of the Positions like cornerback, interior offensive line, wide receiver. Those can be addressed in 2022. We'll have Sam Stocks as well as Herb's hot takes. At the end of the show, we're going to do a Bears-Lions preview, which, again, we typically save for YouTube. But you guys know me. I'm your host, Usaid Koshal. You can follow me on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram at Usaid Koshal. Follow my co-host Sam and Joe on Twitter. Sam Shy Sports. Sam Joe is Joseph Herf NFL. And be sure you're checking out Fireside Bears on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram at Fireside Bears. Sam, I'm going to go to you on this one because you seemingly didn't get the hoodie memo. You're sitting there on like a crew neck. You look like a damn nerd who's going to go into like science class. All right. What are you doing, dude? And then we'll go right to Joe who actually got the memo this time without me having to tell him the memo. So, yeah, what's up, guys? I'm, I don't know, man. It's been, been, been a long day and I had the crew neck on and didn't want, didn't want to change. I'm comfy. It's my favorite crew neck. Um, I'm not excited to talk bears, but I'm excited to talk bears. Like I'm excited to do the show and talk with you guys about it and allow this to be a, a safe space to vent about the miserable franchise that is the Chicago bears, but I'm definitely not excited to actually break it down and realize just all the all the the bad mojo going on within chicago but uh happy to be here let's uh let's do this thing yeah um i actually finally got the memo i actually was eating dinner i took my hoodie off because our house is a little warm and i was about to come downstairs to get ready to record this and i was like oh i can't i can't miss the memo i was like i've missed the last two i was i was late for the one last week but uh, i did get that memo just obviously a few minutes late so but otherwise yeah i'm good Glad to be here too. Um, usual, same thing. Not happy to talk about Bears, but happy to kind of have this, you know, hour to my day to talk about the Bears with some people who know what they're talking about. I mean, you talk to the casual fan and they really don't know as much and they get confused when you talk about certain players and certain things. So it's very nice to kind of talk with people who have an idea of what's going on and uh, have some strong opinions and have some reason to backing up their opinion as well. Yeah, it'll be yeah, nice well, to have an educated conversation. That's the one thing. I'll there you go. That, that's, the, that's the summary of basically what I just said, yeah. Yeah, the summary being an educated conversation. I mean, guys, today was interesting because it was, again, just a typical Tuesday in the Chicagoland area. And for the Bears fan base, people are kind of going back and forth on Twitter about when Matt Nagy should be fired. And the big 
thing that came out kind of that kickstarted this morning was the people that were booing Matt Nagy at his high school game. Like I said, we're not going to get into that, but the sequence of events that followed was a report from patch.com coming out saying that one of the writers, I don't even know his name because I've never heard of this guy saying that he's got a pretty good source inside Hallis Hall confirming that Thursday would be Matt Nagy's last game with the bears. I mean, this is a report that me, I looked at it. I'm like, okay, there's no way this has to be correct. Cause as connected and plugged in as I am, I ended up asking around a couple people with knowledge of what was going on at house all about what's really going on. I'm not going to get into the answers I got, but I will say this much for those of you that don't know patch.com is basically a local newspaper and there's like patch.com Wheaton patch.com Winfield patch.com Naperville, you know, just, they provide local news and tidbits on like things that are kind of happening in specific towns and areas. So, for someone to basically break what a story that should be broken by the national media, I don't think was very legit to begin with. I will also say this, that there's people here that are saying, well, why would the Bears fire Matt Nagy on a short week? And I think the bigger thing to understand here is that something didn't add up from the beginning. Why would the Bears tell Matt Nagy, hey, you're done? You're not going to coach for us anymore, but you're going to get one last hurrah, and that's going to be Thursday against the Detroit Lions. It doesn't work that way. In this league, Like when they tell you you're out, you're out. And so before I go over here, Joe, and then bounce it back to Sam, I think that this report that came out didn't make any sense from the beginning because – there is an argument to be made here. Maybe the Bears saw, okay, two games within a five-day span. Maybe it's just better for us to go ahead and keep on, keep holding on to Matt until the end of this game. And then between the Lions game and then the Cardinals game, we have about 10 days to really figure out and evaluate what direction we want to take things into. But it's just going to be a classic case of where something leaked and the Bears aren't going to go ahead and fire Matt Nagy after this Thursday game. So patch.com, if you see anything from it again about the Bears, I'm telling you right now, never going to be legit. Yeah, I don't have any actual inside source in terms of coaching. So I get input from a lot of the players through a source on what they're feeling, basically um, what, what their thoughts on and overall opinions. So I asked around for my sources as well. Um, they didn't really know a whole lot and anything I have really, I can't really leak unless I tweeted out myself. Like I had a tweet yesterday that kind of gained some traction, which actually was a true, um, tweet. It was a valid opinion from players that they enjoyed practice more, um, the week that Matt Nagy was out due to COVID than they did all year. Basically they, they thought they had an actual game plan in place. They thought it actually went well. They just had a better time. So Regardless, um, don't haven't heard anything myself, so I can't really say if this report is true or not. Um, I don't have any like idea. I, I again, I asked my source, and he's like, "Yeah, the players have no idea, and they won't know. They'll know when news gets leaked." Um, so, I, Patch, I've never heard of the guy apparently who reported it himself as a pretty established writer, from what I read. So. I'm not going to fully discredit it and say it's garbage. It could be, for all we know, it is his last game. Maybe he doesn't get fired on exactly Thursday. Maybe he gets technically let go and announced on that following Monday. But afterwards, again, I'm, I honestly have no idea if it could be true or not, and I'm not going to sit here and act like I do. Yeah, I mean, I think ultimately the one thought is, like, the Bears will kind of have a mini bye week, so maybe that's the time when you start preparing the interim head coach. But again, ultimately, it goes back to the idea of why would he then coach in Thursday's game? Like, I just don't think you tell a guy that his job's over, but that he has to come into work one more time 
you wouldn't. Yeah, I, I don't know. I I don't think that makes any sense. The Bears aren't prone to firing coaches in you know the middle of a season. Obviously, this could change. Um, but knowing Chicago, it probably won't. I'm sure Nagy's going to get at least this week. Um, but I mean, there's not really a whole lot else to add. The one thing I will say is from a more of a, a journalistic point of view, um, I'm certainly not someone to invalidate uh, a writer or anyone. Um, I mean, there's definitely, there's definitely people who spew things out on social media and claim that they're this or that and, you know, definitely cause problems. But I am also one to never tell someone that their source maybe is or isn't credible. What I will say is when you read something like that, do your own research a little bit because you may find out more information. You may not find anything at all. And this could be complete speculation. Um, Again, this person might've hit it exactly on the head and maybe has a lead that we don't know about. But ultimately when you, uh, when you do get a story like this and it's not being reported all over the place, uh, do a little bit of research just because you may find out that maybe this isn't truly the case. Even if you don't have, the access of an insider source or whatever, um, just do your own little research, check other news outlets as well. That's the one thing I will say from a non-Bears point of view. But I don't really have anything else to add. I Again, Nagy addressed the rumors today in his press conference and said they weren't true, which obviously can just be coach speech. Maybe he has been told that his job is no longer his after this week. But again, it just doesn't seem very realistic. Well, I want to go ahead and talk about this issue of Byron Nagy and just dive into it a bit because we're sitting here and we're talking about, okay, the Bears have never fired a head coach in season in like the 102-year history of the franchise. There's a couple things to consider here, and let's just kind of go ahead and flash back to the last three times that the Bears fired head coaches. So when the Bears fired Lovey Smith after 2012, I mean, going into that season, no one really knew whether or not he was on the hot seat. It was kind of a playoffs or bust mantra. But again, when you finish 10-6 and six the way the 2012 Bears did, especially after that big start before, I think that was the year, one of the years Jay Cutler broke his thumb, kind of there was a bit of justification for bringing Lovey Smith back for 2013, even though he didn't always make the playoffs. And then you fast forward to 2014 and you're going into the, and you're like, okay, you know what? The bears just had the number two scoring offense behind these eventual runners up in the Denver Broncos a year ago in 2013. Maybe they're building something here with Mark Trestman, but there were two things that were the final nails in the coffin. Those back-to-back losses to the Patriots, as well as that 55-14 thumping on national television against the Green Bay Packers. Those were kind of the two final nails in the coffin for Matt Nagy. I'm sorry, for Mark Trustman. And so now this begs to differ. Like You have this question about what's been the final nail in the coffin for Matt Nagy? I don't think it was a six-game losing streak last year because, again, from George McCaskey's point of view and from Ted Phillips' point of view, kind of what happened, hey, the Bears at least finished the season 8-8 eight and eight and backed themselves. I think that ultimately when you look at it, the final nail in the coffin really this year has been, hey, where has the steady incremental improvement been from Justin Fields? And that we have this rookie quarterback, but the bigger issue is that you're in your four and yet – some of your most of your core that started last season's returning this season outside of probably Sam Mustafer, who again this year's his first time ever being a full-time starter. So the real question is this is that why hasn't the rest of the offense taken off? And again, it all goes back to the results of Matt Nagy's just piss poor management. Last year the guy was bad at everything that he did. Okay. This year though, 
outside of Justin Fields, it's really hard to justify any reason why the offense should get a pass. And again, in the middle of a five-game losing streak, I mean, Pittsburgh a game, you take out, look at the Pittsburgh Steelers loss. Take out the referees out of that game. And you know what? I think we can all agree the way the Bears played until the fourth quarter, they probably deserve to lose. You look at that 49ers game. Okay, if Justin Fields doesn't have that 22, 23-yard touchdown, on fourth and one, you know what? The Bears lose that game by even more points, and they don't even put up 20 points. And you look at this Ravens game, but what was that? The Bears were in this game for the most part. Robert Quinn and Roquan Smith, statistically speaking, and talent-wise, were your best defensive players out there. But ultimately, what it came down to is that when things mattered the most, not only did the Bears have zero first-half points, which, again, is an issue that we're not going to dive into, because not being able to score in the first half's an issue for the Bears, and the Bears have just developed this reputation as a team that likes to be in desperation mode and likes to play from behind. I think that the bigger issue is that that final drive on Sunday for the Ravens, Matt Nagy kind of left too much time on the board. So you have basically three straight really winnable games. And he's not wrong. He did say he's just like, well, look, instead of three and seven right now, you're sitting at five and five if you win those two games. Well, those three games. Well, this is a league where hypotheticals just don't get the job done. You either do it or you don't. And Matt's kind of shown, hey, you know what? I'm not able to go ahead and get the job done. And that's the end of it. And so this isn't just about moving on from a head coach for the sake of moving on from a head coach who's going to have his first losing season, it's looking like. This is, I think, more so about realizing and understanding that Justin Fields is an immensely talented quarterback and everything and everything the Bears do is is hit is effectively in his best interest. Yeah, I 100% agree. I, I love that you kind of hit on the hypotheticals because I was going to bring that up if you didn't. It's very frustrating that, like you were saying, this team could easily have a solid record. All those games were winnable. And it just came down to, at the end of the game, bad some sort of management. Time, regardless, refer- bad referee outcome, whatever. It just came down to a coaching issue, regardless of anything. So uh, that being annoying, second of all, the Bears are not still helping Justin Fields, and that was quite obvious this past Sunday. We saw, I believe, I think it was Nicholas Moreno, who was a podcast host for uh, Chicago Audible. He had a tweet go out that Justin Fields had 30 plays in which he, maybe 30 plays total, and only one of them, they had him moving outside the pocket. That one play was a 30-yard completion, 30-plus yard completion to Darnell Mooney. How do you have your athletic mobile quarterback who lit up the Steelers moving outside the pocket? He had that beautiful touchdown in the in the red zone um, when he was rolling out to his left. He had a few other throws on the run that were great plays, him moving outside the pocket. How do you have only one play out of 30 that he's moving outside the pocket and using his legs to make a throw? He is unbelievable at throwing on the run. You're going to only do it one time. It's just like you were saying, the piss poor management of a rookie quarterback who has shown unbelievable potential, who showed after last week against or two weeks ago against the Steelers, he showed that he can definitely take the steps forward and be the guy. And you bounce back by having a horrible game plan in place by not not like moving. You had an entire bye week to prepare for this team that's banged up too. The Baltimore Ravens are absolutely banged up on defense and offense. They had no Lamar Jackson. They had no Marquise Brown on offense. Defense, they're all over the place. And you still can't game plan to shut them down when it comes down to it at the end of the game. And you can't game plan to score more than 13 points against a banged up defense and secondary that has been getting exposed. It's just bad coaching and bad management and bad play calling. 
and just bad preparation. Nobody's prepared ever. After a timeout, I can't even tell you how many times I counted that they'd call timeout and something stupid would happen. Like it was just it was just a pathetic outing overall. And again, let me expand on what you said and kind of what I said a minute or two ago in terms of being three and seven versus being five and five. The overall theme for the Bears throughout the Matt Nagy era has basically been, hey, we're close, but we're not close enough. We're good, but we're not good enough. And at some point, you the decision makers upstairs have to really look at yourself in the mirror and say, okay, this is the person that we hired four years ago to really turn the bears into an offensive first franchise and an offense first team. And it's very clear that it hasn't worked out. Just go back to 2018. I mean, 2018, I know there's going to be a bit of a stretch because the defense did give the offense a lot of short fields that season. Did we see the flashes from Mitch Trubisky? Yes, we did. Okay, we saw enough to the point where the fancy plays like Santa Slay were fun because the Bears were efficiently moving the ball at a pace that we really had not seen before. And then you get to 2019, and it seemed like that kind of mini breakout game that Mitch had against the Washington, the now Washington football team on Monday Night Football, where the Bears put up like 28 points in the first half. That was kind of a game where you're like, okay, you know what? Maybe we're building some progress here. Then you get to 2020, and the offseason was all about a quarterback competition, which didn't really sit well with the wide receivers. I can tell you that right now from talking to some people. And then you get all of a sudden to 2021. And now it's just like you're hitting the reset button again because of Justin Fields, but you're not really doing what's in Justin Fields' best interest. And so the point I'm trying to hammer home here is that the Bears don't have time or resources to waste on Matt Nagy anymore. It's just what it is at this point, all right? He hasn't proven that he can lead this team. The cool stuff like club dubs all become irrelevant. You talk about him being a player's coach, all right? Well, guess what? He's not the player's coach we all thought he was, okay? And I, for one, was one of the people who kind of said, listen, club dub is cool, but club dub's not going to win you games. And then this season, Matt Nagy, I think, is living in the moment. Go back to the very first meeting of training camp. What video did he show? Well, he showed Giannis Atuntacumpo's video from the 2021 NBA Finals about living. Don't live in the past. Don't look too much forward to the future. Just live in the moment. Living in the moment kind of became the theme for the Bears' 2021 season. Okay, it went from like chasing greatness to basically living in the moment. And ultimately, right now, the Bears are living in a moment where they have to acknowledge and understand Matt's not getting the job done, but go ahead, Sam. Well, the only thing I wanted to add, I, w- I wanted to go back to the whole hypothetical what-if sort of situations. Joe bring- brought it up really nicely. There was, you know, and you said you did as well, like bringing up the whole idea of like, well, you can't, you know, this is a league where you can't do things hypothetically. And obviously there's games the Bears should have won. And, and you look at the 2019, 2020, you know, schedules from last year. And, and I, I'm just, I decided to look them up, just look through them just because I was curious. Some of the games that the Bears dropped just because of poor coaching and poor decision-making is horrendous. They lost to a Raiders team in 2019 that they should have beat, even with a backup quarterback. Chase Daniel, I believe, was playing in the game at that time. Um, they dropped a one-point loss against the Chargers later in October. Again, this Chargers team was pre-Justin Herbert, so they should have absolutely beaten that Chargers team that ended up not having a very good record. We then look into 2020 when the Bears lost a game on early December to a Lions team that I think only ended up getting five or six wins. And the Bears, again, were absolutely the better team in that matchup. I got, um, another thing that I allude to is 
uh, that Saints-Bears game last year in overtime, the beginning of November. I believe that was the uh, Javon Wins punch thing. Uh, again, that's undisciplined, but who is in charge of making sure your players are disciplined and are, are making sure that they're keeping the mental side of the game uh, professional? Uh, your head coach. So you look at the small things, and, and again, there's a microscope on Matt Nagy because the excuses have run dry. And every single time he makes a big mistake – or does something that people don't like or he shouldn't be doing as a head coach, he's going to get called out for it because his his leash is complete, is this short. It, he's got nothing left. You know, again, when you're a newer coach and you make mistakes, it happens. You have a longer leash. You're able to kind of – you're doing a little bit of learning too, especially if it's your first head coaching gig. And, and again, I, I loved Club Dub in 2018. I loved that team atmosphere and stuff. And you know what? If Matt Nagy gets fired and I think he's going to end up being a college coach in the next couple of years, I'm sure whatever college program he goes to, he's going to love that. But that doesn't work in the NFL consistently when you don't bring up results. You were brought here to make this offense better. We are dead last or second to dead last overall in offensive rating. We have the 32nd passing offense in the league. We are behind the New York Jets, who currently don't have a quarterback because of COVID. The Houston Texans, who are uh, splitting reps and stuff between uh, Wash Tyrod Taylor and a third-round quarterback in Davis Mills. And the Detroit Lions, who you play on Thursday, who have not won a game. And current starting quarterback is Tim Boyle, who obviously wasn't good. But regardless, there is no excuse at this point for Nagy. I said this in last week's show. he has to be held accountable. And ultimately that is going to cost him his job. I'll add one more thing that I've probably said about a million times. I love that you touched on it. He, it's time to blame himself. He needs to hold himself accountable. He is scapegoated and blamed way too many people and lost way too many people, their jobs from coaches to players all around him. He fired his entire staff and replaced them all. He got rid of his quarterback. He got rid of his running back. He got rid of a bunch of alignment and he's got run a bunch of wide receivers. He's revamped every single position group after one season. So, like this past offseason, wide receiver group completely changed outside of two players, basically. Offensive line completely changed at one point. They got rid of uh, they got rid of Rashad Coward, brought in Sam Oster again. Great choice. Got rid of both the offensive tackles. Got rid of other players and have brought other like the only consistency have been Cody Whitehair and James Daniels. Outside of that, running back room completely revamped again. At this point right now, it is for the better. Sure, that is true. But he still has been like blamed people and hasn't brought results. He did bring in a better running back room, correct. He got rid of Jordan Howard. He replaced him with a better running back in David Montgomery. He's brought in other good running backs as well. Khalil Herbert is great. Three Cullen, again, injured, but he's still doing very well for him. And we still have not seen improvement when he makes these changes that are supposed to change everything. We had the kicking controversy. We had the... Off entire, we had the offensive line coach replaced, quarterback coach gone, um, passing game coordinator gone, run game coordinator gone. All this has been replaced. Eleven is, tight ends. Eleven tight ends. That fiasco. All this has happened, and what has changed? We have gotten worse every single season. Somehow, when he makes these changes, who does that come down to? When is he going to hold himself accountable? And he got a say in his most recent quarterback decisions. He had a say in Nick Foles. He had a say in Andy Dalton. And he had a say in the draft this year. He helped pick Justin Fields. You have your guy. Like, he has been able – obviously, when he came in, Mitch Trubisky was the quarterback. 
whether or not he wanted Mitch, he still agreed to take the head coaching job. The past couple of off seasons, he has had say in who is playing quarterback for the Chicago Bears. And you are not utilizing those quarterbacks to the best of their abilities. We brought it up earlier with Justin Fields. Again, I know Justin Fields still has some growing pains. That's fine. I'm not going to make not you know I'm not going to make excuses for Justin Fields. But also, when you use him properly with things that he is good at, that we have seen him proven to be good at, like rolling out of the pocket, Justin Fields is a very good quarterback. And again, what is the excuse there? And one more thing, I think he only. I was just doing the math in my head quickly. Has he only inherited at this point two players still on his offense? The only people I can think of, Cody Whitehair and Tariq Cohen. Has anybody else been from 2017 on on this offense? I mean, James Daniels got drafted 2018, if I remember correctly. Robinson got brought in. in Robinson got brought in 2018. Mooney was yeah. drafted. Uh, James Daniels was drafted. We brought in both. Of, we brought The entire attack room has been revamped. Running back room has been revamped outside of Cohen. Even Cohen, he's not even playing this year. Tight end room completely revamped. There's, this is literally all the players he wanted to bring in. And it has gotten worse the more people he's brought in and the more people he's gotten rid of. How is that possible? Well, it's because it's an offense that's broken. And speaking of players here, I mean, what did, what happened this past Sunday? You had no Cleo Mack was on season ending injured reserve. You had no Allen Robinson and certainly no Eddie Jackson. Now, we're not going to discuss Khalil Mack here. But I think Sunday showed us that Allen Robinson, as well as Eddie Jackson, are more important to the Bears than people are willing to admit. Let me start with Allen Robinson here, guys, because there is such a misconception around A-Rob. When you look at Allen Robinson, I think people have to realize and understand, Bears fans don't want him back because he's not willing to take a reduced contract, right? or basically a bit of a pay cut in order to get that new extension. But then at the end of the day, when you look at that offense on Saturday, I'm sorry, on Sunday, one major aspect of this offense you realize is that some of those throws were not necessarily the most accurate, whether it was Dalton or Justin Fields. The ball also wasn't placed in the best spots either. All right. There were a couple windows where you're like, okay, you know what? A couple throws, you're like, guess what? If that was Allen Robinson, Allen Robinson's large catch radius would have hauled that pass in. Okay, I think we can agree on that much. Now, with Eddie Jackson, what you're basically looking at, the last three games have shown us that with no Eddie Jackson, teams are basically telling the Bears, hey, we're going to eat you up in the middle of the field. And why are the Bears... Why are teams eating the Bears up in the middle of the field? Well, one, because you don't have another good coverage linebacker that can kind of complement Roquan Smith. But also, number two, Roquan Smith being an off-ball linebacker, I mean, his job is basically to get out to the edge and stop some of those plays, okay? Stop basically every play. I mean, he had 17 tackles. But not having Eddie Jackson roaming in the middle has kind of hurt the Bears' secondary and hurt the Bears' defense more than more most people are willing to admit. I mean, that miscommunication with about 33 seconds to go in the fourth quarter on the Ravens' final drive where Tyler Huntley completed the pass to Sammy Watkins, who was running basically a deep out route, that is a miscommunication that doesn't happen if Eddie Jackson's back there. Because you know in that situation, Sean decides calling a cover one look and what's going to happen is Eddie Jackson's going to basically read and react and say, okay, this is the side of the field I'm going to go to depending on where the ball is going. 
And so my point is, is that Sunday really showed us that in a way, I think before I bounce it over to Sam here, Eddie Jackson, as well as Allen Robinson for this Bears team, you could argue they're irreplaceable. And they're irreplaceable because this offense is so bad, it can't operate without another star receiver. I mean, we saw routes on Saturday. We saw play calls where Demir Bird was the guy in the slot. Traditionally, that should have been Darnell Mooney running the deep post route. But then... Mooney was all the way on the outside, outside the numbers, basically on the line of scrimmage as the X receiver. And what was he doing? Well, he was running a route that Allen Robinson would typically run. So these guys, in a way, they're irreplaceable. And again, as bad as the Bears secondary is, Jackson's kind of the glue that holds everything together. And you know what? This isn't the first time Eddie Jackson's kind of the glue that's held the Bears secondary together. Look at that 2018 playoff game against the Philadelphia Eagles. Jackson couldn't start because he had like a sprained ankle. And guess what? Who was back there? Well, it was Deion Bush as well as Adrian Amos. And guess what? Not having Eddie Jackson back there hurt the Bears more than a lot of people were willing to admit because Nick Foles you know, wobbly throws and those lobs that he was just throwing up there. A lot of those didn't have much air on them and they would kind of have been intercepted by Eddie Jackson, but go ahead, Sam. So I'll, I'll talk defense first. Cause I kind of have a controversial take on the offensive side of things. Um, defensively. I, I definitely agree. I, I was heavily debating this with my brother who was, who was saying all sorts of negative things about Eddie Jackson. And listen, Eddie Jackson's deserved a lot of criticism that he's taken this year. I mean, earlier in this year, I think bears fans wanted Eddie Jackson traded, which, Hey, newsflash, he has one of the biggest contracts for an NFL safety. He's not going anywhere. But Eddie Jackson's presence gains respect from opposing quarterbacks. Opposing quarterbacks will not challenge the middle of the field when Eddie Jackson is back there. Now, is this the Eddie Jackson of 2018? No, but I still think he's having an okay season when healthy and when he's in. And like you said, said he is the glue of the secondary. And this is a secondary that struggled, especially against a – backup quarterback who made his first NFL career start. Um, we'll get more to that when I do my stocks up and stocks down. But <laughs> you just don't have another option that can fit into what Eddie Jackson can do. I mean, obviously, like a guy like DeAndre Houston Carson, I think is a phenomenal role player, but he's exactly that, a role player. We've talked about guys that fit into specific roles. Eddie Jackson is meant to be your free safety that patrols the middle of the field, recognizes things in the offense, makes shifts, He's a veteran safety, and he's still a pretty solid one. Now, I'll be completely honest. Again, I think the Bears' offense wasn't good on Sunday, but the Bears had two receivers with over 100 receiving yards on Sunday. Darnell Mooney had 15 targets, and I didn't think he had a great game, but he looked pretty solid. And I'm not saying that Allen Robinson's presence wasn't missed. I definitely think when he's on the field, he demands – the number one matchup against the best corner on that team, whoever the bears are playing opposing to them. But I don't know. I mean, I think the defense definitely with so many pieces missing could have definitely used Eddie Jackson, but this is a bears offense that, Hey, it's already bad as it is. And some guys kind of stepped up a little bit. I mean, I think Darnell Mooney had one of his best games as a bear last weekend on Sunday. And I think that's going to continue to go in an upward spiral because Robinson isn't able to play. And again, we had a guy like Marquise Goodwin have over 100 receiving yards. Now, am I saying that I'm happy Allen Robinson didn't play? No, because again, I think if Robinson plays, I think it's just another weapon for the offense. I hope he's able to play Thursday because I think Dalton's going to need all the help he can get. But we talk about this word irreplaceable. I don't know if I can say the same thing for Allen Robinson that I can do as Eddie Jackson because I think this defense needs that presence from Eddie Jackson. 
I think this offense is already kind of at a point where it's one of the worst in the league. And it's not like Allen Robinson has put up huge numbers this year regardless. Now, some of that is because the change of the quarterbacks and offensive inconsistencies, but I don't know. Maybe you guys disagree with me on that, but I don't think he's irreplaceable. I think that he's definitely a presence that makes things easier, and he had some huge plays against the Steelers, but ultimately it was Mooney who caught that touchdown game in the Steelers game to give the Bears the lead. I thought Mooney looked great on Sunday. So I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Maybe I'm the minority there, but – I think it was definitely more Jackson's presence is very, very hard to replace. I'll go the same route as you, and I'll start with defense as well. Um, Eddie Jackson, I have given him a lot of hate in the past for his tackling, which, again, warranted. He kind of deserves that. But, yes, his presence is very much felt when he's on the defensive side of the ball. The secondary does not have a veteran leader when he's not playing. So when he's not playing, I mean, who's the who's the leader? Like, we have Deshaun Gibson. I mean, he's not – exactly a stud in any way he's just he's solid again not bad not amazing Jalen Johnson's still young nobody else worth talking about in that secondary without going on a major rant um and then so I mean yeah Mark Andrews was absolutely shredding us and that's kind of what normally Eddie Jackson's Jackson's assignment is his assignment is to cover the tight end so the fact that Mark Andrews is absolutely blew through us and was destroying us the entire first half I don't remember his exact full game stats i drifted away from the screen and stopped watching as much once I knew we were going to lose. And I just knew I was going to get my heart crushed as soon as that all was going down. But regardless, yes, his presence is felt. Um, I wouldn't say he's exactly irreplaceable, but he is a guy that when he's not on the field, it definitely is a major loss to defense. Allen Robinson, on the other hand, again, I'll say this first. When was the last time we had a wide receiver screen for a touchdown? Because we had one without him. And when you're a big wide receiver, your kind of job is to block, right? Like you're kind of the guy who needs to lead lead block on a screen, kind of lock up some blocks downfield. Well, um, all I'm saying is that the other guys who were out there, like Demir Bird, uh, Darnell Mooney, I guess, was out there. Who's the one who caught it? Obviously, I think it was Marquise or Cole Komet. I know went out there for a block too. Once that all happened, we got a touchdown, sixty yard screen. So. And again, I think wide receivers are open. I know you said you brought up the point that maybe a guy who has a bigger catch rate catches those passes. The thing is, Allen Robinson doesn't get as open as those guys do on those kind of routes. So Demir Bird, sure, he's going to break free and get open, and he can't reach some of those balls. But Allen Robinson also doesn't generate that separation to be able to get that wide open and get those throws. So no, I don't think his presence is. I don't think he's irreplaceable either. And I think he should be gone this offseason. I don't think he deserves the money. I've talked about this a million times, but just want to touch on that again. It's just again, it's it's a, it, we played fine without him. We just obviously don't have a connection with these guys and missed a bunch of open throws. But we had guys open all game. It's Mike. It's Michael Gallup season twenty twenty two. Oh, Gallup, you man. already know. Oh, you already know. Um, one thing I wanted to quickly add because you touched on some guys who you know stepped up the wide receiver screen, you know, pass touchdown that a lot of people gave credit to Dalton, but ultimately it was Mooney breaking tackles and using his speed. We also saw the Bears implement some use from other guys. I mean, when has Jakeem Grant gotten involved at all with the Bears offense? I think he had like two or three catches, and he also had a a jet sweep that was kind of effective because he's very fast. I mean, you traded for him to be your returner, and I liked his speed on the outside. I'd love to see a guy like him get more involved. And again, like ultimately at this point, like in the Bears season, like 
why not give your younger guys more shots? I've been tweeting about this. I've been saying it on the podcast. I still can't believe Thomas Graham Jr. and Daz Newsom have not been brought up for at least a game. I think they should get brought up towards the end of the year. I'd like to see what we have in both those pieces. I know that's probably not going to happen. But again, I think ultimately we're talking about this idea of Allen Robinson being like such a huge factor in the Bears offense. And again, I'm not saying that he doesn't factor into it at all. But this isn't Allen Robinson of 2018, 2019, who somehow is being productive, even when the Bears have third string quarterbacks out there still making these big plays because the Bears have other playmakers who are starting to step into bigger roles. And that's what's really, really important right now at this point. It's not just about the development of fields. It's about the development of guys like Darnell Mooney. He is the guy that you're hoping can be the quote unquote sort of wide receiver one for the Bears in the long haul. Now, I'm not saying Darnell Mooney is at that point yet. But Sunday's game was very, very encouraging. And I don't know if he has as big of a performance if Robinson's in the game. So I'm not trying, again, I'm not trying to say that Robinson not being in the game was a good thing. I definitely think it helps our offense when he plays. But at the same time, offense still was okay on Sunday, given even though they only put up 13 points. And real quick, here's some bonus content for you guys. But we have breaking news from Brad Biggs of the Chicago Tribune who says that Matt Nagy did indeed meet with Bears ownership on Tuesday afternoon to kind of discuss his future, kind of address what was going on. And Matt Nagy did actually cancel meetings. But I think it's weird because this is the first time, guys, that we've seen or publicly heard a report about Matt Nagy's future being up in the air. But the bigger thing is him meeting with Bears ownership throughout the season or right there in the middle of the season, especially on a short week. And certainly, Joe, I'll go to you here. What do you think of him meeting with ownership today, especially knowing it was a short week and the fact that some players were kind of mad that Matt Nagy didn't address the patch.com report? I think this is a further adds more fuel to the fire in terms of everything that's going on at Hallis Hall already. Right now, what this report basically shows me is something that I already know, is that there's no direction, vision, or kind of accountability or leadership coming from anyone in the organization from George McCaskey all the way down to Matt Nagy. This sounds very Chicago Bears, what I'm going to say. What if this happened? What if they just told Matt Nagy today that he's going to be fired? What if this news like came out and Matt Nagy didn't know? Like, what if the news came out that he was going to be fired after the game, all stuff, and that was not supposed to be leaked? So they met with him today and said, "Hey, by the way, you are getting fired." But regardless, um, I do think it's significant the fact that he canceled the second round of meetings that he was supposed to have with the players. Um, he was supposed to have meetings scheduled for Tuesday afternoon and the evening, and they got canceled the fact that those are canceled that's pretty significant you're like you're saying you're on a short week like every meeting kind of counts for a future game the fact that you'd cancel one of the meetings only two days before a game is very very significant i again i don't know what the actual meeting could have been about that they, he had with the ownership um again it could be that he is getting fired i don't know why they would do that have that meeting though unless they're announcing it tomorrow Maybe it comes out tomorrow that he's been fired and maybe they just wanted to get ahead of it. And that's why he canceled his meetings. Maybe he's just getting ready to pack his bags. Like I honestly have no idea what to unpack here. I'm not surprised that the players were angry. Like, why don't you address that with your players? The players should have an idea of what's going on with the organization. If they're just sitting there like waiting, like, Hmm, wonder if our head coach is going to be gone like tomorrow or in a few days. Like it says in this article that came out by a verified reporter. It's just very odd. And they're, of course, I'm not surprised that the bears 
ownership and upper management has mishandled this com- situation completely. I think the Bears are a clown franchise. I think they're dysfunctional. They are a dumpster that has been lit on fire. And this just is a cherry on top of that disgusting, horrendous cake. This is so, I mean, this is children running a team right now. This is what this is. This, it's unprofessional. It's, it's, it's so annoying that I'm so numb to it at this point. I literally don't even have anything else to add. This is, it's, it's not, it doesn't surprise me. Of course, this is exactly what the Bears would do. And maybe, maybe it has been a leak and the Bears basically had to go to Nagy and say, oh yeah, no, that's actually true, which would be so Bears if they were trying to keep that in-house and it got leaked. I don't have anything else to add to this. You said you can go back to you. Uh, this is just – this franchise is embarrassing. This, I mean, I knew this year was going to be rough, but this is just – this is unbelievable. It's a laughing stock. Well, this is right now the sequence of events is kind of worse in my opinion. And there's a last thing I'll say about this, but this is worse than that six-game losing streak that the Bears kind of endured last year and then painted it as a strength – in the postseason presser because supposedly it helped the Bears battle adversity. But listen, we're talking about moving on from Matt Nagy in 2022, but let's look ahead to needs that are going to be have to address as well. I mean, we know wide receiver cornerback as well as interior offensive linemen are going to be needs the Bears have to address. Interior offensive linemen, in my opinion, is a wild card because you're looking at this and you're saying, hey, if James Daniels comes back, you're probably only looking at having to address center. If not, you're going to be in a scenario where, you know what, maybe just maybe you decide, okay, we could have Alex Bars kick it to right guard or roll the tires on a free agent center such as Ryan Jensen because I certainly think the Bucks are going to have to subtract some pieces from their Super Bowl core. But, Joe, I'm going to go to you first. I mean, give me an early need to address in 2020, in 2022 that no one's really talking about. Yeah, inside linebackers pretty dire in my opinion. We talk about, obviously, we have Roquan Smith, but he's in a contract season. He could be gone next year. Um, I, d- I don't think he's gone. I think he'll get paid. The Bears, obviously, are known for their franchise career to always have an absolute monster inside linebacker. That's our thing. I, I think we'll find a way to keep him. I think we'll pay the man. But next to him, it's been a revolving door this season. We've seen Christian Jones get some time. Alec Ogletree, Danny Trevathan is now off for the season. Those are all veterans that are not the future. I think the Bears need to address one of their mid-round picks on an inside linebacker. Every year, inside linebacker, you can get an absolute stud, just a mean run-stopping inside linebacker that just needs to develop in pass coverage or the other way around. A guy who's great at pass coverage and needs to develop his sort of run-stopping and just get one in the middle round and have him learn under Al Kogutri next season or Danny Trevathan and then eventually take over once he gets up to the NFL speed and once he's ready to go. I, I think if, I've already seen a few guys that I liked last season that I wanted the Bears to draft that are already starting for their current teams that they got drafted on. They were guys who were drafted in the, the late rounds last year. I know Ohio State had like three inside linebackers that all got drafted in, on day three, and I, bl- I believe one or two of them are starting. Like it's, it's a very easy need to fix. I don't think it's like obviously dire. I don't think it's like a, a huge one. They could easily just sign someone in free agency at a cheap deal who's a veteran and has played well, or bring back Nick Kwiatkowski when he likely gets cut this offseason too. Um, regardless, it does need to be addressed. You can't be having Danny Trevathan walk out there as the starter next to Roquan Smith next season, and I, at least for the long-term option if you're trying to compete. And I would not like to have a guy like Al Goldstreet back. I mean, great story. Pretty cool that he came back and 
came off the street basically after missing all of last season and has played pretty solid for someone no one expected to possibly make the team. But we, we do need a long-term option alongside Roquan. Let's get a guy that can lock down for the next 10 seasons with Roquan and never worry about the position again. Yeah, I, I definitely think, um, before I say mine, I, I definitely think that inside linebackers is an overlooked position when you have someone as dominant as Roquan Smith, who I think is, is the best inside linebacker in the league um, and definitely one of the most underappreciated defensive players in the league. And again, like to your point, like you can get a good mid-round linebacker that can just fit into that like secondary role. Ultimately, I don't know if you're going to be able to move on from, from Trevathan's contract just because, again, it's a lot of dead cap, I think. So he may be here in 2022. I definitely agree. I don't think Alec Oldtree has done anything to warrant a new contract, but maybe the Bears bring him back just because he's a guy who recognizes the defense as a depth piece. But I definitely agree. I, I do hope that they make a move at it. I don't know. Who knows? Maybe a guy like like Caleb Johnson steps into a role next year. I'd love for that to happen, but I'm not gonna not gonna get my hopes up. But that's my guy's, you know, special team contributor. But um, so I'm on the opposite end of the of the ball here in terms of uh, draft needs. The Bears could address. Um, and obviously I know in our Twitter group chat, I got some heat for this one from Joe, but the bears could look to target a late round tight end. And the only reason I say this for a few reasons is because ultimately I don't think, you know, I, Jimmy Graham probably won't be here in 2022. I'd love to bring Jesse James back, but who knows? He may warrant a bigger contract with another team. I think he's actually had a solid season with the limited reps he's gotten. Obviously Jesper Horstead, my guy hoping he's here next year, but again, Bears may move on and try to bring in a younger piece to complement Cole Komet. Um, there's a couple of guys that I like that I think will fall into the later rounds. Uh, I like Sam Laporta a lot from Iowa. Um, a guy that I know uh, Jacob Infante has tweeted about a little bit. That's a great Twitter follow for you Bears fans who want to get some draft analysis. Uh, Nevada's Cole Turner. Dude's got some really, really good ball skills as well. Could be there later for the Bears. And again, remember the Bears only have five draft picks right now. Not factoring in compensatory picks. The Bears have a second, a third uh, two fifths and a six, I believe, is their draft uh, s- draft picks for this season uh, in 2022. So, obviously, I-, I wouldn't love the idea of using one of five picks at a tight end, but if you could get one of those guys later who could maybe complement Cole Komet's game, and also just I think the way this Bears offense is run, you want multiple tight ends uh, who can be out there on the field as both passing threats and help in the run blocking situations. Uh, I definitely think a tight end uh, later in this uh, draft in 2022 would be something to at least consider. Furala, first I'm taking away. You're no longer president of the tight end of the Just for Horsehead fan club. That is garbage. We have two tight ends locked up for the future, and it is Just for Horsehead and Cole Komet. We don't need anybody else. Someone has to take the teachings from Jesper Horstead so that we can have a Jesper Horstead Jr. That's twice the power. Who needs that? The Bears need that. For the next 10 years. He's so young. You don't need that. Jesper Horstead's not old yet. Wasn't he inactive on Sunday? I'm pretty sure I saw a clip of him talking with uh, Dalton in a hoodie and sweatpants. Probably because they don't like to use the, the goat himself for some weird reason, but... No, I'll add though it's not a bad it's not a bad idea to target a U tight end late, especially when Jimmy Graham is. I mean, again, he's gone. They're not using Jesper Horses stupidly, so you might as well get somebody else. They might actually use. I don't know. I don't think it's definitely not a position of absolute need, but definitely one I think that the Bears could overlook. Again, obviously, we're hoping Cole Komet continues to take the strides that he needs to take, but I think getting a more U tight end fit in this offense would be really really nice, especially one on a cheap rookie deal. 
Well, he was inactive. I actually think he was being Andy Dalton's ball boy. So from like inactive to Andy Dalton's ball boy, how about it? That's your tight end, Joseph. Not you're not pres- when I say you're not president of the Just for Horse Set fan club anymore, Sam, then you know something's up because you just threw your man under the bus. But listen, tight end inside linebacker are certainly important. I mean, addressing tight end real quick here, there's a justification for keeping Jesse James around considering his connection with Justin Fields. So you could certainly take that and say, well, maybe just maybe the bears decide to kind of roll into 2022 with having James as well as Cole Komet on the roster. And then you do still keep these lower on guys, like take a just for horse set around. Cause again, Ryan pace, if he's here in 2022, did admit at the final 53-man roster cuts, hey, Jesper, you've grown steadily over the years. So clearly the Bears do see enough in Jesper Horstead to warrant keeping him around. Now, there's the inside linebacker position. I mean, Roquan Smith, again, is your future. These guys like Christian Jones haven't gotten it done. The Bears let Kevin Pierre-Lewis go into after the 2019 season, which was kind of an odd move. But again, it was expected because the Bears just didn't have cap space. So Alec Ogletree, Danny Trevathan really haven't, have not gotten it done. I could see a justification for bringing Alec Ogletree back just because he's played much faster than Danny Trevathan. And again, Alec Ogletree just has not been as injury prone as Danny Trevathan. Trevathan's been with the Bears since 2016. He's played two full seasons over basically a five or six year span. And so inside linebacker is certainly another one. And it's not as big of a need as some people are making it out to be, but you can find a quality inside linebacker here in the fourth, fifth, sixth rounds. I mean, the Bears did their homework. Look what happened with Nick Kwiatkowski. He was... Not necessarily a modern-day NFL linebacker, but he was also good enough. He was hard-nosed. He was physical. You could typically blitz with him. And what did that do? It made these guys like Roquan Smith and Danny Trevathan expendable. It allowed the Bears to get creative with using players like Khalil Mack as well as Leonard Floyd. Now, my big need to address in the offseason is going to be safety. Sam established this earlier. Eddie Jackson is going to be back in 2022. There's no doubt about it. He's probably going to be back in 2023 as well. But what are you going to have opposite Eddie Jackson? That's a big question. You need a thumper at that position. You need a hard-hitting safety. Bears fans didn't like Adrian Amos's ability to cover. But one thing you can't deny about Adrian Amos is that he was a tone setter. So to Sean Gibson, Haha Clinton Dix have not been those tone setters. Deion Bush and DeAndre Houston Carson. Yeah, Deion Bush and Houston Carson, those guys are thumpers, but they're not as hard hitters or as much of hard hitters to phrase it better there as a guy like an Adrian Amos was. So you need to get Eddie Jackson a running mate. Tashawn Gibson shouldn't be back. This defense needs to get younger, not older. So look at the safety market, whether it is through the draft or through free agency. I will say this through free agency. The market for safeties has probably been about as dry as the market for free agent running backs over the last couple of years. So if you let a player slip through the cracks and there is a player that slips through the cracks because that's what happens every year, take a chance on finding a safety, get Eddie Jackson that running mate. Yeah, I wonder who is like the probably the top name for safeties in free agency. Quandre Diggs? Is that that seems like the top name? I have no idea for free agency this coming offseason. I haven't done that research yet, but I'd so much rather have a, a rookie safety opposite of Jackson, though. I, I, I agree with that point you said. The reason, only reason why I brought that question up and, and mentioned that is just because this is a defense that does need to get younger, and, and especially with 
how many guys they're going to potentially offload this year and let walk. I would love for the Bears to get younger, especially at skill positions. You can get starting safeties in the NFL so much later in the draft than any other position. You can get starting corners later in the draft so much later because a lot of these guys are first-round talent. There's just not enough first-round picks for them to be t- get taken. So, again, like the whole thing where it's like, oh, the Bears shouldn't tank at this point because they don't have first-round pick. Yeah, but getting a really, really good second-round pick would be important too, especially like if the Bears decide not to go offense early and go defense early, which I think would be stupid, but maybe they will. You're going to be able to find someone in the second, third round who can play right away. Yeah, I actually was looking up possible safeties that'll be free agents. Honestly, the market isn't incredibly impressive to me. There's a few big names like Quandre Diggs, um, Tyran Matthew, uh, Devin McCourty, but there's no like, I mean, it was a few years ago. Who was the the guy who went to the Bengals that you and I both loved, Sam? I can't remember his name. Von oh, Bell. Um, Von, Bell. Von Bell. Yeah, Von Bell. Yep. The Von Bell. There's no, there's no like thumper like that. I mean. Anthony Harris didn't turn out to what he what everyone thought he would be when he left the Vikings. Yeah. And he's on the Eagles now, like Keanu Neal. Like it's, it's it's not a very big market in my opinion, regardless. Um maybe yeah, maybe bring a veteran back again. I mean, you have DeAndre Houston Carson, and if you keep Deion Bush and then you draft a guy later, sure, let, let one of those young guys develop behind him. I know last year one of the late round guys I was loving was Blankenship. Um I can't remember what tiny school he goes to, but he's like a big, strong, physical safety who has an unbelievable motor. I wanted the Bears to get him like in the fifth or sixth round last year, and I know he returned for his senior season. So if he, again, isn't one of those later on guys, I see him being a guy similar. Um, I can't, I'm already drawing a blank on his name. The guy who plays for the Carolina Panthers, he was like one of my guys. Um, along along with Kyle Duggar for the New England Patriots, one of those guys who went to the smaller school. He's a safety, big thumper. That just falls because he went to a smaller school. So I do think he could be a similar safety to that um, with maybe a little bit further falling because I know both those guys went in the second slash third round. I think that uh, playing shoot could drop a little farther. So regardless, they, they do they do need to address safety, though. I agree with that completely. Dude, did you guys see like the two men on a bus meme that's going around? I'm actually going to try and make my first official meme. But yeah. anyways... Oh, yeah. Yeah, that. that yeah, uh, I'm surprised you haven't made any. I'm actually disappointed, Sam, in you tonight. And Joe's gonna back me on this as I berate you on the stream here. Number one, you kind of turn your back on Jesper Horstead. But the number two, this meme's been circulating on social media all day, and you just decided that I'm not even gonna make anything. And this is the guy who supposedly considers himself the uh, meme king. I'm just Whoa, saying. I am um, the gift lord, not the meme king. Let's same thing. Okay, so so, so they are saying, not the same thing. Memes whatever. and are different. Yeah, whatever. Okay, so staying on task here, right? I'll figure out how to make this later. It's my favorite time of the week, Joe. Give me your hot take on what is a relatively short week. Um, honestly, I think the Lions beat us. I, I don't know how hot that is. I don't know if I don't know if people actually believe that'll happen. I don't know if people are just like kind of down. I really don't think the Lions should win. I mean, obviously they haven't won a single game this season. They we obviously beat them pretty bad with Justin Fields' first start, like, I honestly think that we are going to lose this game. Like, I, I think it's a very much possibility. I think that, especially if Jared Goff plays, which I, I believe he's on track to play, I think he practiced in, lim- in a limited fashion, but especially if he plays, I don't see a chance of us winning, especially if Eddie Jackson's out again. They might be able to kind of, I mean, 
TJ Hawkinson will absolutely just go crazy on us. Well, nobody that can stop him. Their running game is coming along well. DeAndre Swift has been an absolute monster for them lately. Their defense isn't horrible, and our offense is horrendous. So I honestly, I guess that'd be my hot take. I, I think they can honestly beat us, and I think once they do beat us, Matt Nagy will be fired. I'm not going to agree just because I think the the Lions are the like if there's two like cans of garbage out the Lions garbage smells worse. I just ultimately think that team has no talent and even if Goff does play, I don't know how much confidence that instills in me. I do think that DeAndre Swift is someone that the Bears do need a game plan for though because I think he is a legitimate running back in this league. I will say that's pretty hot. I still think for some reason the Bears can win this game. It definitely is a letdown game for the Bears for sure. That's what it is setting up to be. But I don't know. I feel like the Bears, I don't know. I guess the Bears should have won a bunch of games this year that they lost. But I don't know. I feel like they should be able to win this game. I have no other sense. Oh, 100%. So, yeah. Yeah, They're supposed to win. That's pretty hot. I I mean, they're the favorites. The Lions haven't even won a game. But, hey, crazier things have happened. This is true. Honestly, like, I don't even know what to say to her hot take because I was so focused on making this. But, Sam, let's hear your stocks as well for this week. <laughs> don't worry. I promise I'll post your hot takes thing this week, okay? Been lacking on that. So, that's you can berate me for that. Um, let's talk stocks. So, um, obviously, when I try to do these, I try to do guys that I haven't mentioned yet. So there's a couple honorable mentions uh, for stocks up that I'll mention after I do them. But stock up uh, nominee for this week is Roquan Smith. Like I mentioned earlier, he's the best inside linebacker in the NFL and the most unrecognized defensive player in the NFL. Uh, had, I believe, a career-high game in tackles. Someone quote me on that. I could be wrong there. A couple of tackles for loss. His presence on the field when he does not play is it's like a just a black hole in the Bears defense. Uh, he he is unbelievable. He is all over the place. He he hits hard. He smoked Rashad Bateman in that game. I I thought Bateman was going to go and take a breather after that, but you know Roquan's that hard hitting inside linebacker, good in coverage, and and his stock should have been up all season long, but. I think sometimes I forget about him, and I just need to recognize his greatness. Uh, some other honorable mentions were Darnell Mooney, but I mentioned him last week, and I told you guys the stock was going to go up. Look what happened. Uh, and also Robert Quinn. I wanted to throw him here really quickly. I've had Quinn on this list before, but he had a career high in sacks. I think he's on pace for like 17 sacks this year. Yeah, here it is. Um, he is uh, definitely trending towards being on this roster in 2022, even though he will have one of the largest contracts uh, on the Bears' defense. Um, he had a great, great game on Sunday. Definitely a great bounce back game. Uh, stock down. I mean, I think you guys know who this is going to be. Any guesses? Bad Aggie. No. <laughs> Honorable mention, though. It's a player. I try not to do coaches. Mm, just for Horstead. You Kindle shut your Vildor. mouth. Kendall Vildor. Oh, I, just, I, I didn't consider him. He's just so lowly rated that – yeah i i i want to pull up a stat that i read on twitter that i i saved because this is just shocking to me i understand that kendall vildor is stepping into a starting role where he's taking over for kyle fuller who i know isn't having a great season this year but has was a very good corner for the bears uh all pro corner a few years back um this stat to me is unbelievable 
According to Pro Football Reference, opposing teams have targeted Bears Vildor 50 times this season. They have completed 35 passes for 541 yards and five touchdowns for a 138.8 rating so far. That is terrible. And you come into a game against a backup quarterback making his first career start, and you you can't you can't make play in this game. Like I, I'm a fan of Vildor's work ethic. I hope he bounces back this Thursday. But and I personally think he's better suited to play nickel cornerback. But ultimately, the Bears said, "Hey, you need to be our starting outside corner. We need you to step up into this role." He's been terrible, and he's been trending down all season long. He's a guy I wrote about on Bear Goggles that could lose his starting job. This keeps happening. The Bears need to just activate Artie Burns and move on because it's unacceptable how poorly he's been playing. Um, Matt Nagy was an honorable mention as well. Um, I feel like I had another one in here, uh, but I don't really remember. But those are my two for sure stocks up and stocked down. Uh, keep an eye on them this Thursday. We'll see how they continue to fluctuate. But that is uh, it for me and Sam Stocks. I don't know why we haven't activated Artie Burns yet. It's so frustrating. Like, that's a second player, in my opinion, honestly, that should be playing. Like, Brashad Perryman was another guy who was inactive every game, and he gets snaps immediately as soon as he goes back to Tampa Bay. Like, it's like, how? We have struggles with wide receivers. How does he not even get active? We have struggles at corner. How is Artie Burns, who was a starter on a good defense for two or three seasons, if not four? I believe he missed a whole year with an injury, and then another one he was still banged up and played half the year, but... Regardless, he started as a rookie for the Pittsburgh Steelers defense. And this dude can't even be active for the Bears. It's just so frustrating. Why? We have Kendall Vildor, who's garbage, among a lot of other worst things I can say about him. I was so high on him. I thought he'd be very good. I thought he would definitely take the next step. He has not. So give up, give it up. Sit him. It's not a guy like Justin Fields who needs to be out there getting experience. Vildor has gotten his experience, and it is not showing. Sit him. Yeah, it really isn't. I mean, I think the Bears have to admit at this point the Kendall Vildor experiments really failed as I take baby steps here towards creating my first ever meme. Now I just have to figure out how to save this. Ooh, perfect. I did it. Anyway, so that's the exciting thing happening. Shut up, Joseph. It's going to be horrible. Um, yeah, you're going to give this meme. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, your middle name is probably something like Rutherford. Probably something embarrassing that you don't very want basic. anyone to know. Yeah, it's very basic I know. One. Daniel. Yeah, I'm pretty sure, um, you know, Sam's is like Johnson or something. I don't it's even James. know. James, good guess, though. Yeah, James. Johnson's not S- name, by the way. It's so that time. explains SJ Steve 9. But anyway, so guys, Bears are playing the Lions on Thanksgiving here. Joe, I'm going to go to you on this one. I mean, what are you watching for in this game? Because for me, I'm watching for can Robert Quinn and Roquan Smith follow this up with another strong performance? Can Darnell Mooney, who had a strong performance on Sunday afternoon, can he do anything? Because the Bears get Cole Komet involved more. And then the biggest thing to keep in mind here is this. I think the Bears are going to be in a situation where they're going to have to rely more and more on Khalil Herbert as well as David Montgomery to lead this team to a win because the run games can consistently click. The Bears kind of abandoned the run on Sunday, so they got to get back to that basic here on Thursday afternoon. Yeah, so I'm going to talk about two things of what I want to watch for, one on offense, one on defense um, for the general. So what to watch for on defense. Can this secondary take a step up against a horrible wide receiver core, to say the least? This wide receiver core came into the season already bad. They waived Tyrell Williams, who was their number one. Quintus Cephas is hurt. They're 
best receiver is a fourth round rookie in Amon Ross St. Brown, who again I was high on coming into the draft, but regardless, he's a rookie. Can they take a step up and cover these guys better? Again, TJ Hawkins is still going to be a major key to keep your eye on because he, again, elite high end tight end, although his stats haven't shown as much this year compared to last year. Still high level tight end. He's still very good. He's still a guy you need to watch for. So definitely need to see how the secondary can rebound. I, again, not sure. Eddie Jackson should play, which should help, but they definitely need to rebound if they want even a chance to win this game. On the offensive side of the ball, um, it again kind of goes back to what you were saying. Can Dalton establish a better connection with these wide receivers slash just people catching a pass? Uh, like we said, guys were open all game. Basically, Jameer Bird was open deep. Marquise Good was Marquise Goodwin had a deep touchdown. Darnell Moody was open deep. Um, they had open crossing routes consistently, and Dalton missed a ton of passes. Obviously, he wasn't ready to come play. He was sitting on the bench and had to get thrown in because Fields got hurt. So. It's mainly just going to be, uh, can Dalton establish a solid connection in a few days here before their next game? If that all happens, if Dalton establishes a good connection and we limit this um, passing attack of the Lions, it should be, I, knock on wood, it should be an easy win. Yeah, I, I think, again, this is a the worst team in the NFL by record. I know they're competitive. They play hard in their games, and I like Dan Campbell. I think he is going to turn that team around a little bit but there's just no talent on that team um my first note is is there anything worth watching in this game (laughs) um that's just a small joke but in all seriousness things i'll keep an eye on uh defense side of the ball uh slowing down deandre swift i think is gonna be really important i think the browns were doing a good job for the most part and then he broke off a huge run and ended up getting lines back into that game where they could have absolutely beaten the browns I think he's a very dynamic running back. He's a young running back with a lot of explosiveness. They have Jamal Williams back as well, who I think is a solid handcuff kind of backup running back. So Bears' run defense is going to have to show up. Um, I think pressure on the quarterback, whoever it is, is going to be really important. Again, if, if Robert Quinn can have almost four sacks against the Ravens, there's no excuse why he can't have a huge game against the uh, against the Lions. Uh, obviously, Penny Sewell is having a very, very good year, um, a great piece for that Lions offensive line. So he will definitely – have an interesting matchup between him and Quinn, uh, but I'm definitely going to also keep my eye on Travis Gibson. Uh, maybe Bruce Irvin is activated this week. I'm not sure where that is at at this point, but I know he's still on the Bears practice squad. I'm excited to see what he does. Uh, low risk, high reward sort of signing for the Bears. Um, and then on the offensive side of the ball, um, get David Montgomery involved. And and Khalil Herbert thrown there as well, but Dave Montgomery only ran 14 times in the Ravens game. That's inexcusable. He's a dynamic running back, and it's and I don't understand when things go well, the Bears abandon them, and it makes no sense. It's never made sense, but it's just a part of the Matt Nagy era. Run the ball, Dave Montgomery. He had over 100 rushing yards and two touchdowns in the Lions game in week four. He can absolutely put up similar stats and use Khalil Herbert a little bit. The guy can run downhill fast and hard. Use both running backs that you have on your offense dominate the Lions on the ground, and that'll open up more passing opportunities and put less pressure on Dalton to perform well. Because, again, who knows how Dalton is going to play on Thursday. Short week, Casket prepared for this game. He was the Bears starter. Now he's not. He has, again, he, I think he was eh on last Sunday against the Ravens. You have a strong run game against a bad Lions defense. You don't have to worry about throwing the ball that much. Look at what the Colts did. Obviously, I don't think Dave Montgomery's going to have a Jonathan Taylor kind of game. But Carson Wentz only threw 20 times in that game because he didn't have to throw the ball. 
Um, so get the running game early and active on this Lions defense. Yeah, when you look at the Lions, I mean, how many of their games have been one-score games? Okay, looking at it, I mean, they lost 35-17 to Green Bay in Week 2. They lost by 10 points to the Bears in Week 4, and then they lost 34-11, to and then 28-19, and then 44-6. But they've still been in a lot of these games for the most part. Ultimately, when you look at the lines right now hey they showed that we're gonna battle we're gonna continue to battle and they really they're they're another team right where it's just like they're close but they're not close enough there's still so much work to do you guys are right this team has no identity this team doesn't have any real talent outside of tj hawkinson and jamal williams as well as deandre swift and deandre swift just continuing to develop into a sneaky good running back in the nfl the lions really their big thing is that they've committed to jared goff on offense but they don't really have any pieces on defense so for that reason yeah they are better than People have expected. I understand Bears fans just like to kind of troll the lines, but this team has the buy-in of its head coach. All right. And Dan Campbell, regardless of how much you want to make fun of him, the guy at least goes ahead and the guy's passionate, honest, and upfront about every single thing each week. So when you look at this, you have to say something. You have to realize that maybe they did finally get it right in Detroit once it's too early to sell. But ultimately, in this one, I'm going to say that the Bears end up winning 21-16. I think that there's more talent on the Bears. And this is a defense that's going to be pissed off and is going to ready to is kind of ready to basically flip the script, turn things around. I think when you hear Robert Quinn make the comments that he made, that there's probably some serious conversations that took place at Hallis Hall behind the scenes in terms of quit being sensitive just shut your face and do your damn job so for that reason i think the bears come out on top here what do you think joe yeah so obviously i don't think obviously like i I think my hot take could happen i think that that's more like the fan in me so that's why it's like my hot take i think my analyst take is the bears should win this game um i don't think it's gonna be a very high scoring game i think it's gonna be a very boring horrible start to our thanksgiving obviously the bears win it'll be a a little better, I guess, but also not as good because maybe Nagy won't get fired then. So I think the Bears probably win this game like 17 to 13. We get like maybe two touchdowns that are lucky like we got this past weekend. The Cairo Santos field goal, hopefully he gets it back on track after missing a 40-yarder in the last game. And maybe, especially if Jared Goff plays, I think they should at least be able to get a touchdown, maybe even two and get it to 14 points. But it should be, it should be a close, pretty boring game, in my opinion, unless Andy Dalton somehow comes alive which don't see that happening yeah no all my fantasy apps are like he's like the one of the top trending free agent quarterbacks to pick up this week and i said i i would rather play kyler murray on a bye week than roll the dice with Andy Dalton right now um i'm gonna miss the first half of the game because we have a outing with our family playing a stevenson turkey bowl so excited for that gotta get the gotta get the arm loose um but uh, score prediction, yeah, to Joe's point, this game's going to be boring. I have Bears 20, uh, I almost said Ravens, Lions 14. I think the Lions will stay in this game. I think the Bears offense will be eh. I think they'll do enough to win this game. Again, especially if they they go run heavy, I can see them having long, long possessions and ending up with a couple early field goals, maybe a score or two, maybe one explosive play. Again, I'm hoping Mooney can go off and playing in fantasy, so also hoping for that as well. He had a great outing last weekend, so fingers crossed on that. Um, but yeah, this is going to be a boring first uh, slate of Thanksgiving games. I'm going to be honest. I don't think the Thanksgiving slate this year is that good. And I think the Bears-Lions is the worst of the three. And I'm glad it's at 1130 so that not a lot of people will watch it. 
Yeah, you I honestly don't even know what the slate is. You guys know it off the top of your head. I'm about uh, to pull it Raiders, up. Cowboys is in the afternoon. The night game, I believe, is Bill Saints. That could be uh, – hmm. <laughs> uh, Raiders, Cowboys, That's a, that could be a good one. Not one it's just like depends what Raiders team shows up that day. And what Cowboys team shows up. Yeah, so that could either be a 10 to 13 game or a 40 to 35 game. I think these games are going to be stinkers. I think the Bears is going to be the stinkiest of the stinkers. Put that on a quote card. Make it a tweet. <laughs> the Bears are the stinkiest of the stinker Thursday night games. They stink. Get them a hefty, get them a hefty sponsorship because they stink. Yeah, well, you have the access to the social media account, Sam, so you can just go ahead and post that type of stuff anytime you want to. Put your little face on there, too, and, like, a little, like, thought bubble, okay? Um, But anyway, speaking of social media accounts, make sure you're following us on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram at Fireside Bears. Guys, like I said, this is going up on YouTube, so you can watch me sit in my blue Zach Levine jersey, which I'm surprised none of you guys even noticed or commented on throughout the night. I've um, seen that jersey before. It's a great jersey. Exactly. I don't watch basketball. I didn't know the Bulls had a blue jersey, I'll be honest. What a uh, loser. Anyways. Yeah, this is like two years ago. But anyways, yeah, you can also check this out on YouTube because Sam didn't get the memo and is wearing his crew neck instead of his hoodie. But make sure you're following myself, Sam, and Joe on Twitter at Usaid Koshat Shai Sports. Sam, good morning, good evening, and good night wherever you may be. Have a safe and happy Thanksgiving, everyone. And the next time we're back, um, I don't know what's going to happen at Hallis Hall. I probably do. I'm just not going to tell you guys. But bear down, eat lots of turkey. Hopefully your turkey isn't trashy and dry. We're going to get out of this thing, guys. But peace out. Have a great rest of your evening. And as always, bear down. Bear down. Bear down.